Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired as a sergeant in Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me today, uh, and most days when I do uh, Real Crime Stories, is straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you, Phil? Pretty good. We're partners in crime stories. That's that's for sure. The Sergeant Phil and Detective Phil show. So we got to get used to. We got to we got to dub it that. <laughs> that that's right. You know, folks, we got so much going on. It, it's like, you know, every day I can't wait to, to to hear the latest in some of these cases we've been covering. But just to, uh, go back for a second. Last night we had um, a, a, an amazing guest, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who is the former underboss of the Gambino crime family. He was an amazing, amazing guest, you know, and, you know, a lot of, we got some criticism though. You guys are cops and you're interviewing a killer and, you know, something, that's what we did on our real job. We interviewed killers, you know, and this is, this was a story. This was his story. Uh, We had no part in granting him clemency for his cooperation in those cases, but he's full of redemption and great, well, great stories. And I felt that it was a story that had to be told. And that's when I had the opportunity to interview Sammy the Bull Gravano. I jumped at it and I, my two partners with me last night, Phil Grimaldi and Tommy Dates, I think we both agreed. And I, it was just an amazing, amazing show. And uh, if I ever have an opportunity to do it again, I will do so. And now, Phil, you wanted to say something about uh, the Jimmy Calandra show? Or? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I want to talk about real quick about last night's show. I mean, if you watch the show, his interview was riveting. I think he was very honest. He was very forthcoming. He even showed a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, there was a positive message at the end for young guys to stay the hell out of that life, basically. And a little bit of redemption in there. And, you know, he, he claims to believe in God and stuff like that. So, Whatever's coming out of his life at this point, it appears to be positive. When we had the opportunity to interview him, we were lucky enough through Tommy to get a hold. And he obviously wasn't paid or anything like that. I thought it was a great opportunity. He's only did a handful of interviews. If people look up on the internet, he did an interview with uh, Diane Sorry, I believe it was for 2020. That was an extensive interview when he first cooperated. He's only did one or two other interviews. So he was a very valuable guest to have on the show. Uh, journalistically, uh, if you look at any podcast news media, no one would turn down an ant- an interview with Sammy DePaul. He has a tremendous following with his podcast. And uh, getting back to the to the story, um, you know, we had Jimmy Calandria, who also has a podcast. He's another member of uh, organized crime that uh, cooperated. We're going to have him on the show next Sunday at uh, the 26th. At uh, I, I believe it's going to be a 6 p.m. show, Bill. Is that correct? That's, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 6 p.m. So, so the 26th, we're going to have him on. He actually mentioned on his show yesterday on his podcast that he, uh, Sammy was going to be on our show. Then he did a 30-second, almost like an infomercial, uh, promoting the show through his uh, listeners. We want to say thank you very much, Jimmy. We really appreciate that. Again, the show was great. We can't wait to have you on. And again, like Bill said, we don't uh, condone any criminal behavior. We dealt with killers 
throughout our careers, we dealt with people that were on the wrong side of the law. And these two guys come up as people that were on the wrong side of the law. However, they have interesting stories to tell. We're retired now. We're doing this podcast. That's what it's about. It's about information. It's about interviews. And I think if you watch last night, Sammy did most of the talking. It was very, very good, I thought. We got a lot of information out of him in regard to his mindset when he cooperated, his feelings about John Gotti before and after cooperating, and uh, just a whole lot of good information. If you didn't see it, check it out. Uh, it was a great podcast. You know, folks, uh, we also have, uh, if you're not uh, subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, subscribe, hit that button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. Just as a result of the Sammy the Bull Show, I think we uh, – we have 350 to 400 new subscribers uh, one day later, which is great for our show. Our show is growing and growing and growing, especially since we've been doing these real crime presentations. Mark DeMeo is still doing the police off the cuff side of these shows. It's a different, it's a lighter show. It's more of a news type of show. Uh, this is more go digging deep in, in, into real crimes. We also have a Patreon. We have a, a membership. Say if you uh, could, uh, there's three levels, uh, the bucket, uh, <laughs> dipped in butter and polished my rack, and uh, it's it it's three different levels. And the YouTube levels, we're having a great people joining our YouTube family, and we have uh, the first one for two ninety nine a month is uh, the bucket. Second one for nine ninety nine a month is uh, polish my rack. The third one, which is pretty popular for twenty four ninety nine a month, is dipped in butter. And we have one person subscribed at $49.99 a month for heated dipped in butter. And that, that's a, the great, greatest thing. So we're growing on this channel and we can use your support. And we, we thank you so much. You know, I want to get into today's case. We've been following this Murdoch case. And the twist and turns in this case, if you were a writer and you handed in a manuscript like this, your editor would say, no, no, there's too much going on. The, the audience is going to get confused. And sure enough, you, you need a scorecard for this case. But we're going to go over some of the new stuff. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to play a um, a new a news video uh, to show you some of the twists and turns that have been going on in this case. And I think that they it'll just uh, they could show you better. I think in this in this video, and then we'll go over what what they were talking about. Um, so we're going to share the screen now. Okay. Bill, I don't think you have volume, Bill. Um, so. Yeah, no volume was coming. Okay, I'm, I'm. I gotta re uh, add it to the stream. Hang on one second. Sorry about this, folks. Sometimes you get a uh, te technical difficulty here, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll get it up there in a second. Um, there's a couple of. A bunch of different moves you have to do with this. That's why, uh, and I, the most important one was to add the uh, the volume. 
I mean, so many develops going on today, uh, developments going on today. Uh, he was, uh, being arrested. He surrendered. And, uh, I believe there's a bond hearing later today, which we'll be talking about as soon as uh, we get through this video that's Bill's going to put up. But, uh, every time you put on the TV or the news killing, but authorities now say Murdoch hired a gunman to kill him in an alleged insurance fraud scheme. Nikki Batiste has the rest of the story. Police cars lined this street in Hampton County, South Carolina earlier this month. It's where prominent local attorney Alex Murdoch says he was shot in the head while changing a flat tire. But now law enforcement says there's more to his story. They announced the arrest overnight of 61-year-old Curtis Smith, the charges, assisted suicide, assault and battery, and insurance fraud, among others. Police say more charges are expected. Charging documents allege Murdoch conspired with Smith to shoot him in the head. If Murdoch died, his living son would have received an estimated $10 million as part of a life insurance policy. Instead, Murdoch survived. It's the latest twist in the tragic story of this well-known South Carolina family. Murdoch's wife Maggie and son Paul were both shot and killed on the family's property in June. Alex Murdoch made this 911 call when he says he found their bodies. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. That crime remains unsolved, but Alex Murdoch is also the subject of a separate investigation. This month, he was forced out of his law firm for allegedly misusing company money. He released a statement to apologize and also revealed he'd enter rehab for an apparent opioid addiction. Alex Murdoch is not charged in his shooting and has not responded to requests for comment about that or the fraud allegations. For CBS Mornings, I'm Nikki Batiste in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Unbelievable, right, Phil? Oh, absolutely. There's so much to untangle there. And, um, you know, uh, this latest thing with the uh, hiring the guy to shoot him in the head, I, I, what happened there? I'm not sure that I believe the whole story. I'm sure that they're really interviewing both parties and, and getting information. But I don't know. If he hired the guy to shoot him, he... Gives him a shot in the head where it just grazes him. What did he change his mind at the last second and then say, "Don't shoot me a second time"? When, when you know, when when the bullet missed, maybe he turned his head. Whatever. I don't know. The whole thing sounds rotten and fishy to me. However, I just want to point out that on our last broadcast that we did about this case, you and I, as well as uh, when we had the attorney Lula Petra and we had um, the, the medical examiner Barbara Butcher. Barbara Butcher. We we really you and I really drew down on the flat tire side of the road, and I basically and you agreed we called it a staged crime scene. I think that was evident and clear right from the beginning. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or pat us on the back. I'm just trying to state fact that we we caught on to that very quickly that it was obviously some type of a stage scene or a uh, you know the phony flat tire with the run flat tires and all. So I think that's clear. That's off the table that that didn't happen. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's too many fishy things going on. How could you believe one word of what's coming out of this guy's mouth when you know what transpired in the previous last six years? We'll go back six years only. God knows how long it goes back. But uh, so I'm not sure. I guess really the, the key is this guy, uh, Curtis uh, Smith, to see if his story is going to match up with, with – uh, 
you know, what Alec is saying. But again, the relationship is he represented him on some uh, criminal charges or traffic violations. He looks like he's, uh, you know, kind of from the underworld, so to speak. Uh, he doesn't look like he's uh, an upstanding citizen, this Curtis guy. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, it'll be uh, he'll be vetted as a witness or as, as a suspect or whatever it is. But uh, I don't know, just something about that doesn't make sense to me. If he, you know, if he hired him to shoot him, to kill him, how could he miss like that? You know, it had to be somewhere close and, and then he, he, he wings him and, and then he just takes off, you know, I don't know, maybe it did go down that way. The whole thing just sounds fishy to me though. That's you know, cool. Phil, I, I just want to uh, sort of connect the dots here. And one of the things, the consistent things we're seeing here, that all of this is about money. It's all about money. And that's when I, when I heard he hired this guy to shoot him, I immediately thought, well, if he was going to shoot himself, then maybe he hired the same guy or he shot and killed his own son and the mother of his child, his son, Paul and, and uh, Maggie, because he obviously is all about money. You know what I mean? And, and they had a $10 million insurance policy. The son was being charged with the uh, criminal negligent, negligent homicide of a young girl, Mallory Beach. So the family was going to be facing a huge civil lawsuit. There's no doubt that they were going to be uh, paying out in that. The fact also on, on June 7th, the double murder of Maggie and Paul Murta, Murda uh, occurred on their hunting lodge property. Like how convenient, right? And the other thing was both guns, one was a shotgun, one was uh, allegedly an AR-15, we know at least one of them was registered to the Murdochs. And then they they list the death, the time of death as between 9 and 9.30. We had Barbara Butcher on, who was uh, the former chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. And she said, there is no way scientifically to have a window that small in time of death. They use things like temperature, looking into the eyes, um, lividity. Um, stiffness of the body, you know, those uh, type of uh, rigor mortis, algal mortis. And you can all, the best you can do is maybe a four hour window. So they give a, an, an hour, not even, they give like an hour and a half, no, excuse me, a half hour, yeah. a nine to nine 30 window. And conveniently, guess what time Alec Murdoch shows up? 10.07. And he finds his wife and his son shot. Now, he was either called to the scene by whoever the shooters were, or he is the shooter. And I mean, this, this as I said, this is all about this is all about money. This whole thing is about money. And I think the Murdoch family is facing a lot of uh, a lot of investigations from many different areas here. And just uh, today, Alec Murdoch had to surrender himself to the authorities. Uh, on an arrest warrant. So um, what is it? Is he going to get bond? Is that, you know, he's an attorney. Why he spoke, period, to the police is beyond me, being an attorney. And then I'm yeah. sure he's he's represented by high-priced attorneys. The attorneys that were representing his son in the boating accident are now the ones representing him in this insurance fraud scheme hiring this guy to shoot and kill him. 
Well, you know, Bill, I'm glad we're going in this direction. We started what happened in the last day or two, and we're going back to the murders. But with regard to him speaking, yeah, that doesn't sound something that a lawyer representing a client this deep involved in criminal activity would go along with. I think the lawyers would, you know, caution him not to speak, but maybe he's uh, he's coming out with this story and giving up the guy Curtis to start to, you know, make a defense for himself. Maybe that's a, a legal strategy. But, you know, from watching the latest news over the last day or two, there was a reporter yesterday on the news that said this case has all the components of a soap opera or a motion picture influence, corruption, money, drugs, sex. It, it just got a little bit of everything. But going back to when you talked about the time of death, now it appears that they released a statement, law enforcement did, that they believed the time of death was approximately between 9 and 9.30 on the evening of the murders back in June. So that's telling me something. Now they're not saying, as Barbara Butcher stated, you can't say exactly. It's a. It's what we call as a guesstimate, you have a window. We think that they may have died within the last four hours from the time the body's being examined or the last eight hours or whatever it is. So, but they're talking about between nine and nine 30. Now, the reason I feel that this is important because two different guns were used. So maybe I'm going to throw a scenario out there and I think this could possibly be it. Since there were two different gun guns used, I don't think there were two shooters opening up on these two people on this. It doesn't sound practical to me. Maybe there were two different times when the shots were fired. Maybe one was killed before the other, and maybe the gun that was used the first time didn't have any more ammunition in it, and they just grabbed the second gun. Obviously, it's a hunting lodge. There's rifles there, I would imagine, maybe pistols as well. But the police, law enforcement may have you know, the ring doorbell cameras or people hearing shots at two different times. And that's how they may have come up with the window of time of death between nine and nine 30. That would be my guess. My, my best, uh, explanation for that, uh, th that they're given that time frame. you know? So maybe again, so one was shot and then the second one was shot a short time later. That's the only thing I can come up with. That but, but you know, Phil, looking at what happened and the fact that he hired this guy, in fact, I'm going to pull up another video on the screen to show us who this guy Curtis Smith is, who he hired to shoot him. So I'm going to add that to the screen right now. We'll, we'll play Just this. Just looking at Curtis Smith's home in Walterboro, you can tell he was a private person. A sign outside his property reading, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. We looked up Smith's court records and found a laundry list of traffic-related offenses. In one case, he was represented by Alec Murdoch. That was back in 2013, so it's safe to say the two knew each other well before Murdoch's attempted suicide in Hampton County. Some more digging revealed Smith may be related to the Murdoch family. His obituary for his brother revealing his mother's name was Emmeline Murdoch Smith. Hmm. Brooke, you mentioned that 2013 case where Murdoch represented Smith. Do you have more information about that? Yeah, Dale, I do. It says that Smith was actually cited for speeding at 10 miles per hour or less over the posted speed limit, but seems like a minor offense to get a lawyer for. So I actually requested the court documents from the Colleton County Magistrate Court, but they wouldn't budge saying that everything I needed to know about that case was on the public index that I showed you in my story there. But I'm going to keep pushing for answers. And if I find out anything new, I'll be sure to update everyone both on air and online. Dale, back to you. Yeah, Brooke, that's good because those are public documents.
All right, Brooke, thank you. So, I mean, he didn't have a serious record. There were traffic violations. But one of the things that does do, it shows that Alec knows him. So it's premeditated. He used the guy who he had previously represented as an attorney. So it, it, he can't say, oh, I don't even know who this guy is. Oh, he really? You hired him to shoot you. And then it shows that he represented him uh, as an attorney uh, a bunch of years ago, 2013, I think it was. You know, I'd like to see there's obviously they've uh, linked the two people together. There's obviously a previously previous relationship. I'd like to see if there was phone contact between Alec and Smith between the time when he was shot until yesterday when he came forward with this statement that he hired him to shoot him. Maybe uh, Curtis Smith went uh, called him and said, listen, I'm going forward with this thing. I'm turning myself in. That may be the reason that he now came forward with this statement. And maybe they concocted the story working together. I'm sure there might be cell phone activity between the two that they could look at. And again, you know, this family, a hundred years a hundred year legal dynasty in South Carolina, over 85 years in the prosecutor's office in this family through generations, he probably was getting deals done. Maybe that maybe the violation was more serious and he got it knocked down to speeding only 10 miles over the limit. We'd like to see those court documents. I'd like to see how those cases were adjudicated. Seems very odd. He's got a high profile attorney for a traffic violation. Wouldn't you say, Bill? Yeah, I'd say that's a little strange. You know, I'd also like to go back to the September 4th, the day of the staged, which we knew right away it was a staged crime scene. And now we know that he hired this guy, Curtis Smith, to shoot him with a $10 million uh, insurance policy, who his son, Buster, would be the beneficiary of. And I think that that's, um, that, that when we think, talk about the scene, there was numerous uh, shell casings on the scene. His don't go flat tires. I, I forget exactly what they're called. No flat, flat tires. Run, run flat, flat tires. Yeah. And then there was allegedly a knife on the scene that matched a slash in the sidewall of the tire. And then he, at some point, he was also picked up by a car and driven somewhere. And then I would imagine there's a, a helicopter company called Care. And they do, you know, medevacs and that stuff. But if you're not seriously injured, it costs like ten or fifteen thousand dollars to be driven from your location, and they're not going to cover a superficial head wound. That's not going to be covered on your health insurance. So I would like to see also uh, Alec Murdoch's phone. Did he call the helicopter company to pick him up and get him out of Dodge so he wouldn't be questioned by the responding investigators? You know, Bill, there's a lot of things in there that I'm questioning. Now, this insurance policy. Now, I know from my own policy that if you commit suicide before a two-year period, now, I know every insurance policy might be different, but I have a term life policy. So when I took the policy out years ago, if I would have committed suicide in the first two years, they wouldn't have paid out a nickel. However, after two years, they would pay out just like any other death in, in you know, the maximum amount on the policy. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, I think we're starting to develop here that there was obviously a need for money in this family, that he may have squandered away millions of dollars on gambling, drugs, who knows what. The wife was alleged to have brought in a forensic accounting for finances. The law firm is alleging that he 
he, he embezzled money from the firm, from clients, and his own brother threw him all, all under the bus in statements saying that, you know, he, he violated the closest of relationships with attorney clients. So, you know, there's a lot going on here that we really don't have the answers to just yet, but I'm sure we're going to get them. So, you know, he wanted his son to get $10 million. I don't know. That's uh, something a little strange there. And again, was this policy taken out recently that he couldn't do it himself? He had to hire somebody so that way the insurance policy would pay out. Those are the questions that I would be asking or looking into if I was uh, internally, uh, you know, uh, intimate on this case. 100%. I'm just going to add another quick video to the screen and uh, let's listen now, to this. Now, this comes less than 24 hours after we learned about a major plot twist in that September 4th shooting of Alex Murdoch himself. We learned late last night he set the whole thing up in an effort to get his son to cash in on his $10 million life insurance policy. Obviously, he survived and it was botched. So here's what we know. Curtis Edward Smith, this guy right here, is now in custody. He is accused of conspiring with Alex Murdoch to carry out his own suicide, homicide, however you want to look at it. Now, you'll remember Murdoch was shot on September 4th right here in Carlton County. He survived the shooting, having a superficial gunshot to the head. State police say Murdoch then admitted to hiring Smith giving him the gun and telling him to shoot him in the head while he was changing a flat tire on his Mercedes SUV. Sled says, again, this was all a scheme so his son Buster could collect that $10 million insurance policy. Smith was a former client of Murdoch. So far, no charges have been filed against Murdoch, but important note here, he is listed as a co-defendant and the charging documents Fox Carolina received from SLED in regards to Smith. Now, Murdoch's lawyer shared this statement with us in part saying, quote, on September 4th, it became clear Alex believed that ending his life was his only option. Today, he knows that's not true. For the last 20 years, there have been many people feeding his addiction to opioids. During that time, these individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for illegal drugs. One of those individuals took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alex's life by shooting him in the head. Fortunately, Alex was not killed by the gunshot wound. Now, I do want to mention this. I'll be interviewing Alex Murdoch's attorney coming up after the 6 o'clock news, and you'll hear directly from him tonight on the 10 o'clock news. Now, this is just the latest development in this saga developing with the Murdoch family. There is a lot of information. In fact, just in the last 24 hours, two huge breaks in this case. And again, coming up tonight on the 10 o'clock news, you'll hear my interview with Alex Murdoch's own attorney. It's gonna be interesting. I have a lot of questions for him and I'll be talking with him coming up after the six o'clock news. Now, You know, it, it's amazing, but, uh, you know, I, I watched some of that interview with the attorney, and to say that attorneys embellish, maybe even lie, is, uh, is uh, they, that's what they do. That's what they do for a living. And the attorney has said things that just, even before this came out, the same attorney was saying outrageous things, you know, like, oh, 
you know, he, the helicopter just showed up, you know, oh, he I, that said he was brought to a, a different hospital than he was actually brought to. I mean, attorneys know everything and they're going to try to throw everyone off. But, you know, and it's tough for an attorney to talk to the news in an ongoing case. I don't know how that bides with uh, the oath they take to, uh, of confidentiality, you know. Well, I could. I started to laugh because the attorney is obviously laying out a defense, saying that this Curtis Smith was supplying him with narcotics, took advantage of his mental state, and is you know uh, probably concocted the suicide thing. It's all a bunch of bull, if you ask me. Um, you know, why is he, if he is suicidal, why is he suicidal? Is it because he was facing the rest of his life in jail for killing two people and God knows what else? Or is it just about embezzling money that could be paid back and maybe he'd do a couple of years in jail? I don't even know that he was suicidal. It could all be a ploy. But again, you know, Phil, in that statement, he it it, it makes Alec Murdoch take no responsibility for course. his actions. Everyone else was to blame for what happened to Alec Murdoch. Scott Wagner in the chat asks, could Curtis Smith be related to the Smith that was killed in the alleged hit and run? We don't think so, Scott, because they, they stated that Curtis Smith may possibly be related to the Murdochs. Right. Uh, so there was no mention of that possibility, but good good picking up on that. Uh, Stays on the case, did he get life insurance after his son and wife were killed? I'm sure he had the same policy uh, on his wife and son. It's probably a, a big umbrella policy for $10 million since they are a wealthy family. However, it seems that the Murdoch clan is facing a lot of civil litigation here and they're all running for the hills right now in fact the law firm uh dropped alec like a hot potato once they discovered all of this bad stuff and that he was in fact embezzling funds from the law firm his own wife hired a forensic accountant to do an audit on their own family finances so there obviously was some Bad stuff going on before any of this, these things happen. I just want to mention one thing before we go to the break, and that's if he was willing to hire someone to shoot and kill him to get the insurance, doesn't that add tremendous credence upon the fact that he would hire someone to shoot and kill his wife and his son? I think it makes tremendous sense to me, and we're going to explore that a little more after the break, but uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial. Bill, let me just make one comment about that news clip. That news clip at the beginning, the last news clip you played, the, the reporter said suicide, homicide. This by no means is a suicide. The guy who was, uh, Curtis was charged with assisted suicide. That tells me something that he's cooperating because even if it's an assisted suicide, he took a gun, he shot someone ahead, that's attempted murder. He was. He should be facing in, in New York City. He'd be facing attempted murder plus the assu assisted suicide and stuff. So maybe there's a deal going on there that we don't know about just yet. But okay, let's go to the commercial. You know, Phil. Just just quickly, one of the things you have to realize, and I know you realize, is that this guy's got the top attorneys in the world, and he they're gonna they're gonna dissect and try to do everything possible to make him look like the angel and him to look like the victim here. So that's why. SLED and all the police agencies involved in this, they better cross their T's and dot their I's and make sure they do everything correct because they got some wolves in the uh, in as defense attorneys. In the arena, I would say, yes. In the arena. arena. All right, Phil. 
Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a 15-year member of the NYPD. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702, 646-838-1702. His email is joe at jmurray-law.com, joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe knows both sides of the fence. He handles everything from simple to very complicated cases. Great attorney, Joe Murray. Folks, Police Coffee is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends available. That we will provide you with the freshest coffee. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find. But it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of our profits goes towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, go to the website. There are over seven types of coffee to choose from. 50% of the profits go to offices, families in need. For a 10% discount, use OTC10. That's off the cuff 10. You know, folks, again, I just have to keep plugging Police Off the Cuff. If you're not a uh, subscriber to Police Off the Cuff, please hit that subscriber button. Give us the thumbs up. Ring that bell. You can also join our Patreon. We need the support. And we now have a whole thing of merchandise, uh, police off-the-cuff mugs, coffee mugs. There's one of them right here. Swag, as Duty Ron would say. The other size, it says uh, dipped in butter, which is our famous expression, police off-the-cuff. We also have coffee mugs. Uh, This stuff is fresh in. There's a police off-the-cuff coffee mug. And, of course, on the other side are dipped in butter expression, but uh, we're getting merchandise. We're going to get baseball caps. In fact, I can't wait to get one. We're waiting on them being made. Uh, You can also become a member of the YouTube uh, Police Off the Cuff family. And all the folks that are in the chat that are in green, they're part of the green font, is part of the Police Off the Cuff family. We appreciate all you guys. Duke Metzger. He says, I am going to order this coffee, and if I like it, I'll buy you two guys a bag too. So I I, I actually ordered some Duke, uh, Duke, and it was fantastic. It comes from Utah, and it's uh, excellent coffee, and it's also uh, serving a great cause. Uh, Stace on the case, I came from Smith's on my mother's side, laugh out loud, and Cardozzi on the other. We're not going to be looking for you, Stace on the case. We don't think you had anything to do with this, but – this case, when we talk about it, it's just unbelievable. As we said, if this was a writer writing a screenplay and put this many twists and turns in this, the editor would say, nah, there's too much going on here. No one will believe this. But guess what? Life is always stranger than fiction. When you hear that expression, it's 100% true. Life is stranger than fiction. So going back to that other premise of if he had the chutzpah, as they say in the Jewish community in New York, or the unmitigated balls, as they say in Brooklyn, to hire someone, <laughs> to hire someone to shoot him in the head to collect ten million dollars on a life insurance policy. Would he, in fact, also have the chutzpah or the balls to have his wife and his son killed? 
I've seen a lot in my 27 years on the NYPD, 10 in homicide, and I believe the answer to that is yes. What do you feel about that, Phil? Well, it seems like the wolves were closing in on this guy. Now, the, the, the fact that the wife hired a forensic accountant to look into finances, red flag right there. Was she planning to divorce him? Was she questioning about money? He apparently was embezzling money from the firm. Where was all this money going? I don't buy that it was being uh, used on narcotics. I don't know how much narcotics you can ingest, but I don't buy that as the, uh, you know, the, the, the tell all uh, reason that uh, he was embezzling money. Doesn't sound logical to me. I think as time goes on, we're going to uncover many, many things about this family, about this dynasty, this legal dynasty. And just today, as we reported in the news, there was the case where the, uh, the, uh, the, the woman, Gloria Satisfield, uh, Satterfield, I'm sorry, Gloria Satterfield, who was a uh, a woman that worked in the home. She was a home care, uh, a home attendant or, or a, a, a housekeeper, I guess. But uh, Gloria Satterfield, back in February of 2018, supposedly slipped and fell downstairs and the case was closed without an autopsy. Very, very, very unusual. Would never happen in New York City. Uh, any death detectives respond to to see if it's a natural death, a suspicious death, a suicide, a homicide, whatever. However, this case was closed at the level of police responding and saying, okay, yeah, she fell down the stairs. That caused her death. That would never fly in New York City. I don't care whose family it was. There would be an autopsy to determine a cause of death. However, the coroner in that locale today said that they never received the body for autopsy. Very, very, very unusual and strange. I think that there's more to that than meets the eye. However, SLED has state law enforcement division uh, in South Carolina has now opened a investigation into that death you know, Phil, I, I have I have the press I have the press release in my hand, and it's dated September fifteenth, twenty twenty one, and it says, "Sled opens criminal investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield based upon a request from the Hampton Hampton County Coroner earlier today, as well as information gathered during the course of our other ongoing investigations involving Alex Murdoch. Sled is opening a criminal investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield." and the handling of her estate. Uh, Chief Mark Keel, this is from, uh, I would like to request the assistance of SLED in the investigation of the death of Gloria Satterfield on February 26, 2018. According to a petition for the approval of a wrongful death settlement in the Court of Common Pleas in Hampton County, South Carolina, the decedent, Gloria Satterfield, died as a result of injuries sustained in a trip and fall accident in Hampton County. The defendant in this action was Richard A. Murtog. Excuse me, Murdoch. Uh, the decedent's death was not reported to the coroner at the time, nor was an autopsy performed. On the death certificate, the manner of death was ruled natural, which is inconsistent with injuries sustained in a trip and fall accident. That's outrageous. Natural? That no, that's not natural. That's called accidental in the in the NYPD world and in the investigative world. That's not natural. That's an accidental death. However, that would have been ruled accidental after an autopsy. They want to look at the in inside of the body to see if the injuries are consistent with a fall. And I, I, listen, what's going on right there, Bill, 
CYA, cover your ass. They're now seeing the house of cards is falling in on the Murtaugh's and Murtaugh, however you Murdoch's, say it. The Murdoch's. Murdoch's. The Murdoch's. The house of cards is falling in and now everybody's looking and scrambling to cover their ass and the, the current is looking to cover their ass on that one. And I'm sure that if they exhume the body, they may be able to tell the real cause of death. Let's see what happens with that. And again, we can't forget about young Stephen Smith However, the information from the uh, homicide led to other information, investigative information that led them to open up a homicide investigation in that case. So we're going backwards. We're already back now to the Stephen Smith case. So there's a lot going on here. And I would love to know how they stumbled upon this information or what the information is that led them to open that. And, you know, two new investigations have been opened up as a result of this homicide, the double homicide from June 7th. So let's see what else comes out of Pandora's box. Uh, Sherry Ganey asks, Sherry, someone else asked this exact same question. I wonder if there's a connection between Smith and the Smith yeah, boy who was found appear. dead on the highway. It doesn't appear that there is, but... We're basing that on the fact that uh, there was a document that said he very possibly was related uh, to the Mur Murdochs. So uh, it doesn't appear that he was related to that boy. That's another case that we find to be uh, somewhat outrageous, too. In 2015, uh, Stephen Smith, uh, whose car ran out of gas, was found on a, a road about uh, miles from the Murdoch um, uh, hunting camp. And he was found dead in the middle of the road. And that death was ruled a hit and run accident, even though the injuries were inconsistent with being caused by a motor vehicle. That case is also now being reopened and going to be looked at as a potential homicide case. So the hits keep occurring. And, you know, we keep going back to what seems to be the common denominator in all these things. And that's money. Uh, the, Paul Murdoch, who was one of the victims of the double murder, along with his mother, Maggie, he was, of course, going on trial for a wrongful death, a criminally negligent homicide involving a boating accident, where, of course, his family was going to be uh, sued for millions and millions of dollars. In addition, the insurance policy that they had on the boat was in the name of the Murdoch law firm. So right away, the insurance company doesn't want to pay off on the lawsuit. They're saying the person driving this boat had nothing to do with the law firm. He's the son of, of one of the partners of the law firm. So, you know, the hits keep happening. Uh, the twists and turns in this case, uh, we know today that Alec Murdoch surrendered on the warrant that he had for um, – well, the biggest charge probably was he hired this guy for his, to, to kill him, which assisted suicide, but the guy who pulled the trigger, that's an attempted murder. But he's also being charged with insurance fraud when it's in the amount of $10 million. I'm sure that's quite a serious charge. And when you put all of these facts together and make this whole huge convoluted story, there's connections that, you know, we can't, we can't predict what's going to occur in this case right now, but Lots of stuff that's happening does not make a hell of a lot of sense. Well, Bill, um, I keep a dry erase board out of view of the camera for some specific notes. And I have in big letters, influence and corruption. 
It's obvious, obvious that based on this family's history in this town, when you look at that hit and run of Stephen Smith, it's not a hit and run. It's clear it's not a hit and run. The investigators that initially responded deemed it not to be a hit and run and notified the state police that it was a homicide investigation. The next day, the autopsy is done and the coroner rules it as a hit and run based on the injury, says that a, a truck could have caused this injury. There's no evidence on the scene that there was any uh, impact uh, with a, a vehicle, you know, little pieces of glass or a piece of chrome or molding. None of that is there. All the things that are indicative of a hit and run, nothing there. But this coroner decides it's a hit and run case. And we talked about it the other night. If he was walking alongside the road, he got hit in the right side of his head. That would mean the vehicle would have had to been traveling towards him, would have hurled him to the left. If he's hit on the right side, he wouldn't have wound up in the middle of the road. That's my uh, observation from the crime scene photos. I mean, but the influence and the corruption in this case, it just goes on and on. I'm glad he's being charged with the inf insurance fraud for now. Maybe he'll have a high bail. They'll take away his, uh, his passport and things like that. Uh, there's probably going to be other charges to follow. Let's see what shakes out. You know, don't forget there's computers that are going to be looked at. There's cell phone records. There may be cell phone dumps on cell towers. A lot's going to go into this whole investigation. I'm glad it's being handled by the state attorney general as opposed to the local prosecutor because of the conflict of interest. He was uh, he recused himself back in August. And again, once the uh, once the boating accident happened uh, back in the boating accident, I think was about 2018 or 2019. 2019, uh, I think it was. Yeah, 2019, February 2019. I guess there was just too much there for them to cover up and not charge the kid at all. So the kid was charged. It was going through the courts. Maybe they were going to try and uh, do a settlement or something to that effect and, and come up with something. But something must have happened, and this kid was uh, killed along with his mother. God only knows what the uh, what, what the things that happened between 2019 and this past June when uh, when they were both killed. Factual breakdown, she says, Mr. Smith did not die of a hit and run. We just uh, stated that. He was likely involved with Buster and killed to keep that kind of information from besmirching the family reputation. That's very popular. Uh, excuse me. That's very probable. Um, I think Stephen Smith's mom said that he had told her that he was involved in some uh, type of relationship with a Murdoch, and he was openly gay. So is that a possibility that they wanted to silence him over that relationship? Well, right now, we don't have hard evidence of that, so we can't put that out there as fact. But we, we one of the things we can put out there as fact is that they're reopening this investigation, and they're going to look at it as if it is a homicide investigation. So there's an indication that something's not right, something's rotten in Denmark, as they used to say, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about, we don't live in Charleston or that area of South Carolina, but the Murdoch family is a very, very powerful family. And, you know, there's that old expression, absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know, and they have been used to getting their way and doing things their way for almost 100 years. When you talk about the family, it was uh, the uh, solicitor general, which is known as in other areas as the district attorney's office. Just think of all the things they knew and all the people 
uh, who they've prosecuted in that county. And then also now to have this huge law firm, powerful, powerful law firm, uh, I'm sure they know a lot and they know a lot of people. They've done a lot of favors and people owe them favors, you know. So that's how things like this, that it would seem the investigation would be done by the letter of the law. It's we've seen we've seen things in our day happen that aren't done by the letter of the law. Want to come comment on that, Bill? Yeah, let, let, let me just throw this out there. Now, uh, there the solicitor the the fourth it's called the Fourteenth Circuit uh, Solicitor, which is the equivalent to the prosecutor's office for eighty five years. Okay, so now and they have a law firm in the same county. So that's telling me built-in client base. Now, if you get in trouble and you're in that area, you get arrested for anything from a DWI to a serious assault, whatever, you're going to hire the firm that's connected to the district attorney's office. It's, it's not that uh, you know hard to figure this out. You're going to get maybe uh, certain favors that a, a, a cold attorney that doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the town or the prosecutor's office. There's going to be things afforded to that firm because of who they are and who the family is, that a, a lawyer from outside the uh, the clique, so to speak, is not going to get afforded to him. Let's say maybe uh, you know a better deal or a little bit of insight on on how the prosecution is going to go or what they're looking for. So whatever it is, there's obviously, and I used the word before, the two words, influence and corruption, involved in this whole big mess. Because it is a mess. Yeah, Scott Wagner asks. Has there been any talk of insurance money on um, Maggie Murdoch and uh, Paul Murdoch, the two uh, victims of the homicide? That, I don't think an insurance question. company would pay off that quickly, especially when this case is uh, suspect and there's no, um, you know, th there's no completion to the investigation. I think an insurance company would hold off on giving the payment, but could that be a reason? You know, Alec was willing to have himself killed for this insurance money. Could he be involved in the murder of his son and his wife for the same reason? And look, you folks that aren't in law enforcement, you maybe think that my opinions are callous and they're not. Uh, how dare how dare I suspect him as a suspect in this in this case? But look what he just tried to do. Connect the dots, you know. He's willing to commit a crime in order to receive insurance money, which, you know, is a crime. You know, he was stealing money, not just money, millions of dollars from his law firm. His own wife was hiring a forensic accountant to go over their finances. So he was a man on a mission and, you know, a man that was uh, he was more afraid, I think, to be broke than he was of the drugs he's allegedly taking. So this is this case is just the only thing we haven't heard of yet, and we spoke about this again the other night. He, there's got to be a gumada coming in here somewhere, right? And that hasn't uh, that hasn't been brought up yet. I don't know what happened. I think I froze. You hear me, Bill? Yeah, I can hear you, but I can't. Uh, I think we're both frozen. We're both frozen. Uh oh. No, I can. I'm talking. I can see. I'm there. I, I'll remove you and put you back in and see if uh live, but the camera stopped at 5032. But no, we're still uh I'll put you back in. Yeah, you're not going back in. You want to come back in the let in me the, back uh, out. Maybe okay. it's something with my computer. Oh, there we go. Wait, hold on. 
computer is frozen, but you, oh, here we go. Here we go. So folks, this, this is a really complicated case. And um, every day it seems like new information is coming along. And we're going to try to stay on top of it as best we can. But I'm trying to put Phil back into the into the um, into the broadcast. But we're going to try to stay on top of this as best we can. In fact, I would like to see today. I know Alec Murda has um, surrendered himself. Is he going to be subject to bail? If it is bail, it should be pretty high bail because uh, this is a very serious matter. They should probably take away his passport. Uh, give him other general restrictions, maybe even an ankle monitor, an electronic monitor. But, you know, as new information comes out in this case, uh, we're going to try to stay on top of it. We're going to keep you appraised of, of what's going on. And there's, uh, there's a lot of coverage on this. Um, Snicks Abia says he covered up deaths, stole millions, killed his wife and son, committed insurance fraud, hired a man to shoot him. He's still not in jail. Privilege much. Well, he surrendered today, Snicks ABN. We don't know for a fact that he killed his wife and son. We don't know that. That's an allegation. But um, Flower Child, Sullivan's Island is nice, Adisto too. Um, bond court at 4 o'clock, back to rehab then, purportedly. Is that what you're hearing, Charleston, Amy? Um, yeah, it's it's an unbelievable thing. Here's Phil like this back into the yeah. – Phil, you're back. I'm back on my phone. I apparently had some kind of a glitch on my computer. Um, I don't know. Can you see me okay? Yeah, I can see you fine. Barbara Kukuku, no girlfriend, I'll bet $5. Well, you know something we don't know? I don't know. I think there's going to – some girlfriend's probably going to come up. Uh, Duke Metzger, there's a huge difference between Daybell and Murdoch. Daybell's wife never went for an uh, an autopsy. Um, Snicks Abia, he needs to be in jail. I, I somewhat agree with you. Um, hey, Bill, I wanted to say something about when you were talking about, you know, uh, being callous or people, uh, you know, getting upset with the fact that we have an opinion about something. Y your instincts are correct, Bill. I mean, if you look at this case from a peripheral, we don't have access to the actual in investigative file and stuff like that. But your instincts are correct, Bill. You're saying that you'd want to look at him. Everything's pointing in his direction. And you do one of two things. You'd either include him as a suspect or exclude him. And if you exclude him, you can move on to the direction that wherever this case is going. So that's really very, very good investigative uh, your, your instincts are right on track, Bill. I agree with it 1,000%. He needs to be looked at hard and because of all the other things surrounding him. So I'm 100% with you on that. You know, someone's uh, Butterfly23 says, Curtis Smith's mother is Emmeline Murdoch, daughter of the late Edward Carroll Murdoch and the late Charity Robertson Murdoch. So there you have it. He's not related to Stephen Smith. He actually is related to the Murdoch family. Uh, that's the best information we have. I read that there was a document of that, uh, of that um, relationship also. Um, Boxing MMA. How are you, buddy? All you folks with the green, uh, the green font. Thank you. That means you're uh, members of the police off the cuff, real crime stories, YouTube. And I really appreciate you guys. Stace on the case. So good to see you guys. 
We're getting ready to wrap it up. We've been on almost an hour. We just want you to know that uh, we're going to be covering um, at 5 o'clock. We're going to go back on the air uh, covering the Gabby Petito case. And she's a young girl from Long Island who actually moved to Florida, and she's missing right now under very nefarious circumstances. So we're going to be back on the air at 5 o'clock covering that case. But uh, just be a, be apprised of the fact that when there's more information on this case, we're going to come back on the air. We're going to stay with this case. It's very interesting. There's a lot of people covering it. And uh, just let just know that we'll be on it. Phil, last words before we say goodbye? Last words. I mean, this case, uh, the Murdoch case, it's unbelievable. It's just really got so many twists and turns. It's got all the elements we talked about that earlier. As far as this Petito case, this is a really heart-wrenching case. She's a young lady. Uh, I can't even imagine what the family is going through. She was in contact with the family all through uh, her trip. Uh, she uh, turns up missing now. The boyfriend is not cooperating. We'll get into that later on at 5 o'clock. It's all over the news, and we're going to really dissect and digest and give our opinions. Um, that's about it for now, Bill. Great. Uh, oh, I see that. Thank Jimmy Calandra sent me. I stayed, subscribe, and like. Thank you so much. Oh, I see that. Folks, we're going to be back on the air at 5 o'clock covering the Gabby Petito uh, case. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. On behalf of myself and Phil Grimaldi, have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. Sorry for the technical difficulties.